0: All right, we uh, I, I really do appreciate Sierra sharing her testimony. I know that she has uh, shared it multiple times in, in the past and in different ways and different formats and and that sort of thing. And uh, but we're going to be looking forward to uh, some other testimonies next week and the week after. Um, so I invite you to come and and be a part of that. Um, what I would like for you to do now, though, is to uh, turn in your Bibles to. Acts chapter 22, and we're going to take a look at just a couple of things um, that, that I would like for us to just come to some realizations of. Um, you know, I think that, um, I think as we go through life, and, you know, especially when you hear someone share a testimony uh, like Shira just shared, or, or if you've shared your own testimony, there are well, I believe what you'll you'll find is that, you know, every testimony is different. Nobody in this room has the same story. Um, There is uh, many different ways that God has moved in and through our lives. And to just simply try to wrap God into this sort of like neat little package, it it, it doesn't work, you know. Um, God has moved and he continues to move in so many people's lives. And and, and what I would like us to do as we look at chapter 22 of the book of Acts, we're going to get to see probably one of the, the most well-known testimonies that are, that are given within the Bible itself. Um, you know the individual um, as Paul. He wrote the biggest majority of the New Testament. However, he didn't start out as Paul. He has a history. And what we're going to be taking a look at, at today is where he is sharing just a portion of that history. And he shares it in front of um, Jewish leaders, in front of the Jewish people. He is, he is explaining his situation. Much like Sierra came up here, she said, this is, this is where things began for me, you know, all the way back to when she was a little kid, said she had a, a really good childhood. Her, amazing, her, her mom and dad was the most amazing people ever. Um... I'm pretty sure I heard that. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that's what I heard. And, you know, she said, you know, she she took us through these early years, and then she said, and then this thing happened, right? We all have a story. We all have this beginning of where we say we exist before we knew Jesus, and then hopefully we come to know who Jesus Christ is, and then we begin to exist with Jesus, and then we get to see, well, what does Jesus do with that? What does he do with our lives? And how are we entrusting ourselves to him and, and allowing him to lead our lives? And so take a look there in Acts chapter 22, the first five verses of what we're going to look at um, right now. Um, the, again, this is, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, but he is going to be sharing with us from before he was known as Paul. Back then, he was known as Saul. Now, it says, in, in starting at verse number one, it says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they had heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, in Sicilia, uh, in Uh, "...but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of uh, Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way," and I want you to understand that that is spelled with a capital W, take note of that. "...he said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women." As the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. You see, Paul here is laying out for us his beginning story, this life that he had before Christ. And the real the real beauty of this story is that when he was Saul, he got to see Jesus. He got to experience and, and heard firsthand of the things that, that Jesus had been doing. Heard about the miracles, all the stuff that that was amazing, the stuff that gives us excitement and joy and hope when we read about Jesus bringing people back from the dead, making the blind see, healing the lame so that they get up and they literally walk again for the, not even again, but maybe for the very first time. You see, we get to be encouraged by Jesus in, in everything that he did. But, but for Saul and for the others who were like him, they looked at Jesus and said, he's a troublemaker. He is, he is setting out to change our way of life. He is here to disrupt things, to cause riots, to, to make people believe in what they thought was a false God. Because Jesus was making some bold claims, wasn't he? When Jesus was going all throughout his ministry, he was making bold moves and bold claims. That's who Jesus was. He didn't sugarcoat things. He looked at Jewish leaders it was like, you brood of vipers. Like, he didn't, he didn't worry about if he offended people as long as it was done in the right way. He didn't worry about, I'm going to point out the sin that you have in your life, and I'm going to try my best to lead you back to what is good, because he was right and he was perfect. See, the problem when I do that is then I get stuck with this log thing that's in my eyeball, like you know, many of us in this room would have right. If I'm going to point out your sin, I got to recognize my own. Jesus didn't have that problem, did he? He could literally just point out your sin, and then that was it, because he was perfect. Everything that Jesus is was good and right and just and 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 righteous. So as Saul, who right now he is Paul, and he is he is making a witness. He is actually testifying now. He is laying out the foundations of his beginning walk where he says, I am a Jew. He's establishing who he is in front of the people. He says, this is where I'm from. from. I was brought up in this city. I was educated by the Jewish leaders. He was a Pharisee himself. He says, I was brought up according to the strict manner of the law. Remember, for the Jewish people, the law is the most important. It's not the fact that Jesus came to save. It's not the fact that Jesus gave up his life. It's not the fact that literally Jesus rose again on the third day to prove himself to be the true son of God. No, they care more about the law of Moses than they care about anything. It's the reason that the biggest majority of Jews in the world today are still lost. They don't believe in the one true Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we all must call upon in order to be saved. There is only one way, that is Jesus Christ, period. So he then recognizes before these people he says, I was zealous for God as each of you are. I would encourage you to understand that you can be zealous for God and you can do things for God and you can do things in God's name and it can 100% be wrong. There are many people in this world who have done exactly that. You can look at people like David Koresh who said, literally, I am the Christ. No, you ain't. How do I know that? Number 1 and we, me and Sean we just recently watched the documentary on Waco. And I said if he was really the Christ, why is he wearing these? Think about that for a second. Why does the Christ need to wear glasses? Isn't he perfect in every way? You see there's so many things that that you can pick out from an individual like him who obviously had some mental mental issues, but made this bold claim and yet was as flawed as the next person. That's not who Jesus is. It's not who the Christ is. Jesus Christ is absolutely perfect. As a matter of fact, he was sinless and yet took upon himself the weight, the entire weight of sin for each and every single one of us. And he was the only one that could do it. We needed that perfect sacrificial lamb, didn't we? Didn't we need that, that one individual who could take from us everything that we've accumulated that was wrong and, and, then, and then take all of that and say, I'm going to make it right now. I'm going to ransom you. You deserved death, but I'm going to take that punishment that you deserve." You see, Paul is experiencing all of these things as he's sharing his story. He's sort of recounting, reliving these things. And then in verse 4 of that, he says, as an admission, I persecuted this way to death. The way is how he was referring to Jesus. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the words of Jesus Christ. Remember? That is is Jesus who says, You can't get to heaven without me. You need me. It doesn't matter if you desire me or want me. You can't get there from here without me. He said, I am the way, which means we have to follow His way, doesn't it? But we get to see that Paul was admitting, readily admitting, I wasn't following the way. I was following my way. I was following the human's way. I was following the, the fleshy, sinful way of not only how, how I chose to be and how I decided to reject God, but I also followed all the people before me. Because remember, he said, he said I was raised up under the tutelage of Gamaliel. I was taught How to be this way. Where should teaching of Jesus Christ begin? Should it begin here? Or should it begin in the home? It should begin in the home, shouldn't it? How many of us today can say with complete 100% honesty that I cracked open a Bible and I read to my child this week? I'm not standing here and trying to point a finger at you. But I'm trying to state a very blunt fact that we who call ourselves Christians have a really big job to do. You see, I accepted the grace that Jesus Christ offered me, didn't I? He said, I died for you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to trust you. Invite me into your heart, right? It says... That literally, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. That's what it says there in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It literally is that. But I also have to do this thing called living it. Don't I? And you see, Paul here is admitting something. And the first thing that we have to do is admit that we aren't perfect. It's the reason why when we go through this, through this thing, you've heard me go through it before, the Roman's road. Roman's road, the very first part of it, the very, very essence of the beginning of the Roman's road is literally that we have to confess that we are sinners. And until we can get to that point and come to that realization that, that I am a sinner, that I am separated from God, until I give my heart to Him. And even then, I'm still sinful by nature. I'm just covered by the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean that, that I just get to just go willy-nilly, skipping through the world going, woo I'm a sinner, but I'm saved. Like, like, That's not how it's supposed to go. We're supposed to be living for Jesus, which means I'm going to be in His Word. And then especially men in the room, the uncomfortable part, we've got a big job because we're called the spiritual leaders in our home. We're the ones that are supposed to be putting forth the effort that says, hey, family, gather around here. We're going to crack this thing open. It's called the Bible. We're going to look at it. It's God's holy word. And I want to lead you to know and, who, and to understand who Jesus Christ is and who he should be in your life. And it should be us men who are the ones who begin to testify and to witness to everyone including our own families and children but we fail in that too guilty as charged okay I wasn't always a spiritual leader in my home Sierra said I grew up and it was, it was we had this happy-go-lucky you know you saw her hugging the deer I mean what's cuter than hugging a deer for crying out loud right I mean I moved us to a place that had a great nice empty field where the deer just come up I mean like this is beautiful but what she didn't have was a dad who was leading her to Jesus because I was lost I didn't know Jesus myself how am I supposed to do that and so my wife had to step up she had to increase her game she's the one that said can't do this anymore I'm taking my daughter to church come or don't come I don't care and she took a stand. There's many people who will tell you that's wrong. She should have submitted and just simply done whatever I was doing because I'm the man of the house. Nope. 100% wrong. What she should have done was obeyed her father, her father in heaven, the one that said, you need to go to church, you need to teach your daughter about me. And so her testimony is that she said, husband or not, I'm taking my daughter to church. Luckily, I followed. I followed my wife. I wanted to be a part of her life. I wanted to be a part of my daughter's life. And that was when God said, ha, I got you now. So you got to be careful of what you're opening yourself up to. But I'll tell you, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Literally, quite literally, the best thing that's ever happened to me was going to Elk Creek Baptist Church for a Easter celebration. Literally, life-changing, 100%. And if you will allow for the Lord, if you'll allow Him to change your life, He will. And it's exactly what happens for Paul. He says, I was persecuting the way, literally to the point of death. He was helping to put people to death. If you jumped down there in Acts 22 to verse 19, he says, And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who know you, who believed in you. And he says in verse 20, And when the blood of Stephen, your witness... Was being shed, I myself was standing by, get this, and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. The testimony that Paul has is huge. He literally just admitted that he is a murderer. Literally. How do you come back from that? How is it that you, you give your heart to the Lord? and you say, Lord, forgive me of the things that I have done. I have literally beaten and abused those who believe in you up to the point where I literally applauded the people killing another man because he believed in you. To stand back as someone is being... Stephen was the first Christian martyr, if you're not sure who Stephen was. He literally went to proclaim Jesus as the Christ and they stoned him for it. The Jews stoned him for it. And and there was Saul. Remember, his name was Saul then. He literally stood by and was like, yes! Get him! Throw the stones at him! Kill him! It's what he deserves! Who does that? I'll tell you who does that. It's a person whose heart is made of stone. It's a person who's lost. Paul is making huge admissions here. And he says that after he persecuted this way to the death, he says, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, by the way, men and women, he says, as the high priest and the whole council here of elders can bear me witness. In other words, y'all are just as guilty because you gave me the authority to go do it. You wanted it done. I was just the vessel in which it was carried out. He says, I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were there and bring them back. That's where his story begins to change. You don't get that story until next week. so You got to come back. But here's what I want you to understand. Because I don't want us to end on on this note of, wow, preacher, you just really, like, like, I'm leaving out of here and be like, oh, Right? Jesus can and does change lives. And so through Sierra's testimony, as you heard, she said, this is, this is where I was. This is where Jesus met me where I was. You heard her say that over and over. Has Jesus met you where you were at one point in your life? Maybe he's meeting you where you are now. Jesus always meets us where we are. He pursues after us, literally pursues us. We do not run to Jesus. Left to our own vices, we literally would reject Jesus. But because of his great love, because of his great mercy, he has pursued us. And he has sent out his Holy Spirit to touch your heart, to bring you to know who he is. And once you know who Jesus Christ is, you won't desire or seek after anything else. Not if you know the true Jesus Christ. See, I knew Jesus for a while. I knew Jesus in my life. All the way until I was 33 years old, I was like, yeah, I know this Jesus guy. I know who he is. Seems like a really great fella. Died on a tree. I didn't know Jesus died on a tree for me, who suffered a sinner's death to die for me, who bled and shed his blood to die for me. That's impactful. And the day that I came to that knowledge, that understanding that he did it for me, it changed me forever. Not to mention that then he said, now that I have your attention, I've got something more for you to do. I need you to not only know who I am, but I need you to, get this, I need you to follow me. And he says, will you follow me? And so, church, I'm asking you, will you follow Jesus? Will you commit to following Jesus? And that means that that, that you have to give up yourself. In Ephesians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 24, it says, "...to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires." and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That is the picture of being renewed, transformed, rejuvenated, whatever other adjective type word you want to throw in the front of that, of being changed forever in Christ Jesus our Lord. The best representation of that is baptism. Where we, where we say, I want to follow Jesus Christ, I am making that bold proclamation, I have accepted the grace that he has freely given, and now I want to share that with the world. So if you've been baptized, I'm telling you that was your first testimony. You may not realize it, but it was your first testimony to say, I believe in the true Jesus Christ, the one true Son of God, I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he rose on the third day and I am telling the world and I don't care who knows that I want to follow him for the rest of my days, dunk me under the water so I can let the old go away and bring up the new so that I can say, praise Jesus Christ, I belong to him. That is when you proclaimed and for the first time testified or witnessed for Jesus Christ. You may not know it. You may sit here in your seat today and say, I don't know that I could do what Sierra just did. I don't know that I could do what Greg Knapper's up there doing now, preaching the Word. You know what? If you've been baptized, you at least did it once. Will you trust Him to do it again? Will you follow Him? Will you boldly proclaim that He is Lord over your life? And will you choose to follow, truly follow Him, and to do the things that He and He alone can do? the last place I'm going to take you and then we're going to wrap it up. Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel going all the way back into the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 to 27 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Do you have a heart of stone today? Maybe yours isn't completely stone. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle of stone versus flesh. But The question to you is, do you belong completely, 100%, solely and only to Jesus Christ? Have you trusted him that way? And are you doing the things that is going to help lead not only yourself to grow in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, but also to lead your family? You see, my job isn't to stand up here and just make you feel good. My job isn't to just simply come up here and say, everything's all good, go do whatever you want to, just show up on Sunday. It's not my job. My job is to point you to what the good Lord's word says and get you to hear it so that your life can be changed, so that it can cause you to think and contemplate, am I I living for Jesus? Am I trusting in Jesus, the one man who has loved me more than anyone else in the entire world, and the one man who literally gave his life to save me? Am I living for him? Am I trusting in him? Or am I just simply checking a box so that I can claim my Christianity? We can't just claim Christianity anymore. Have you looked around the world today? See, we have generations of just claiming Christianity that's allowed us to get to where we are. And if we don't become real about our Christianity, we're going to go further, further, deeper, falling away, and the world's going to rise up against us. And, I mean, the Scripture tells us about it. We know that it's happening. We know that it's going to come. We know that we're going to be persecuted. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't proclaim Jesus. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't hold to him and proclaim him as much as possible. Because the truth is, is we don't know when our last days are. And if you've not trusted in the Lord Jesus, if you haven't given your heart to him, I encourage you to do that today, not to wait. I encourage you to surrender your life to him, the only one who can make a difference. I encourage you to follow Jesus, the one who died for you. If if you don't know what that is, we're going to have a time of invitation. Actually, worship team, if you'll go ahead and come up. We're going to have a time of invitation. If you need to know more, come forward. I'm happy to share. I love to share about Jesus. If you haven't noticed. Come forward. There's multiple pastors in this room today too. Brother Gary's up here. Multiple of you want to come up here? I'm sure he'll hop right up, won't you, Brother Gary? I mean, we love to tell people about Jesus. This altar is open for anybody that needs it. Whether you're going through hurt, hang up, whatever it is. Know that you can come to the Lord and know that he can help. He can help. We can help God, but I can't do the saving. Jesus does the saving. All you have to do is commit your life to him and trust in him in every single way possible. Commit yourself today. Call on Jesus today and trust him today. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord, we come before you and, Lord, I just simply say thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the conviction that, that you give. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes and fills this place. Thank you for your presence. Jesus, as we have heard testimony today, the who's, the what's, the where's, the when's, the why's, the how's, all of those things, I pray that someone here heard a message that they needed to hear today, that maybe they connected to to the message and the testimony that they heard. Maybe they don't feel so alone now. Because we know that we're never alone with you in our lives. That you are ever-present. That you're walking with us every step of the way. Every step we take, you are there. So Jesus, help draw us to you. Send your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts pray that you would chisel away at that heart of stone the things that are keeping us away from you Lord I pray that you would tear down the barriers that exist between us and you and that we would just simply surrender our lives to you trusting in you and calling upon you help us to call upon you Jesus draw us near today let every heart be open and free to move whatever whatever would bind someone today I pray that you would loose those binds. Free them from the chains that they feel so that they can move. Give their lives back to you completely and wholly. Thank you, Jesus. We come before you today and just simply say, We thank you and we love you. We pray all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen.